Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 175, with Daniel Khalif from Green Flower Education. Uh, so they're doing great work bringing cannabis education to campus, uh, partnering with uh, universities and colleges across the country uh, to help kind of uh, solidify and uh, create a kind of accepted credential uh, in the space of cannabis education that is a fast-growing uh, business as more states uh, legalize medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. So uh, just really cool to dig into that uh, really unique and different kind of aspect of uh, higher education in the U.S. right now. So uh, get into Daniel's story and how he got into this work and the way that they kind of navigate uh, the very uh, interesting kind of legal uh, waters right now. So uh, I provided some great resources as well for, uh, for those who are interested. And as a brief note uh, before the episode starts, uh, the first portion of this first couple minutes does have unfortunately a little background noise on his side uh some beeping uh of a truck that i think goes by him which uh you know it is what it is uh can't do too much about that but uh still wanted to make sure that we could uh get this great conversation out to you all so i do appreciate your patience with that uh but without further ado this is episode number 175 a bonus episode with daniel khalif our topic for today is the examination of uh, just one of the many booming industries out in the world. Uh, how is it impacting higher education? So there, I think there's a lot of examples of this out there, you know, things like uh, esports or craft beer. But today we'll be focusing on uh, recreational marijuana, how that's become uh, legalized in a lot of states. Uh, certainly, you know, medical marijuana has been uh, available in a lot more states, but um, certainly this is a very uh, new and uh, growing industry. So uh, higher education is uh, seeking to respond and adapt uh, to the uh, again, a new changing economic climate and everything. So excited to uh, dig into that with our guests today. Uh, we'll start out, though, as we always do, have our guests introduce themselves uh, briefly, go over their professional background and how they got to be where they are today. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, my name is Daniel Califf. I am the uh, Executive Vice President of Higher Education at Greenflower. Uh, and um, my, my path to getting to cannabis education is a bit, a bit long and uh, involved. I, I actually started out as a practicing attorney many, many years ago and uh, moved into another a couple industries, including, including healthcare and uh, other areas of education. Um, and then I uh, spent five years working for Muhammad Ali, helping uh, him build the Muhammad Ali Center in Louisville, Kentucky, and helping him raise the money for that and the marketing to, to get it up and running. And uh, after that, I had an opportunity to join some friends who were um, looking to acquire a company that was creating online courses for, for some colleges that were starting to dabble. Uh, and, uh, you know, still, still was new at the time. And we, um, uh, so we, we bought this company and really basically built our own OPM. Uh, we didn't really know that really wasn't a thing at the time, but we were writing courses and we were helping students get online and helping instructors learn. And so it was a really, a really great opportunity for us to, to build. And our niche was, you know, smaller private institutions, um, you know, nonprofit, but small institutions and uh, and you know, that that uh, that company got acquired, and I, I worked for a couple of, a couple other OPM companies. If anyone doesn't know, that's online program management, right? So those are the companies that help universities um, enable them to put their degree programs online. Uh, so worked with a couple other of those, and a former uh, boss called me one day and said um, that he was looking to uh, he was looking at a company. They had reached out to him. 
uh, and they, he would maybe for investment and some advice and around higher education and cannabis education. And if they were going to find a way to get into the industry, they were going to need someone to come and kind of help build out the higher ed uh, platform. And um, he said, I should do it. <laughs> and so I uh, not a, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a cannabis, never have been a cannabis consumer, really wasn't something that I was exposed to, but I went and met the folks out at Greenflower and, and, you know, there, the thing that hit me the most is there are very few times in history where you can get involved in an entirely new industry at the, at the ground floor. And if you, you think about that, um, it, it was just something that I don't think I could pass up. And so I, and I also thought it was a great challenge to see if I could convince, you know, the people that I knew in higher education were pretty conservative and universities are pretty conservative. And the, to me, it was kind of a fun challenge to see if we could, we could come up with something that would be compelling uh, as around cannabis education that major universities would be interested in offering. And so uh, that's, that, that's how I got to, uh, to Greenflower. Yeah. And I think um, it is interesting that, like you said, I think we're at kind of an inflection point where it is like recognizing that if like, you know, uh, very traditional, venerable, conservative, you know, uh, institutions that are going to, uh, you know, maybe resist any sort of like trendy thing are beginning to acknowledge sort of impact or sort of just like the, you know, the nature of where, you know, because I've seen like programs around like the craft beer industry and, and like any of those sort of things where it's just like, yeah, like they they want trained, qualified people. and if higher education could create sort of, uh, you know, environments where that is delivered in a sort of uh, really kind of controlled or like sort of uh, measured and, you know, have like trained educators or just like creating like just the best learning environments versus it being like anecdotal or sort of done, um, you know, some other way that doesn't have kind of the same uh quality controls or something i guess yeah it's just like an interesting moment for sure where i think we are just kind of really kind of cresting towards that top of of, where you know eventually things are just going to kind of uh kind of waterfall and cascade from there but um and yeah i mean i I can certainly uh can share you know professional affinity you know your your background with opms is sort of how i came up in ed tech as well and i think it you know certainly given a lot of uh great kind of foundation and baseline for uh, the space. And I guess, uh, you know, before we get too far, though, if you want to just explain a bit about what Greenflower does, because I think it does sort of play around in the space of sort of enabling, you know, institutions as they're developing learning content and everything. So, um, yeah, if you just want to take it away, explain a bit about what Greenflower yeah. does. Yeah. So so Greenflower actually started over eight years ago uh, when California went recreationally legal there was so much misinformation out there, um, as you can imagine. You know, nowadays in the in, in the industry, they call that legacy people. So people who are legacy, you know, business owners in cannabis, but that means people who did it when it was illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have this whole new industry, this whole new. There's regulations now, and there's rules, and there's taxes, and there's you know all these things. And um, and so the founders of the company really wanted to just try and clear the space and make sure that everybody had credible information. Uh, and so they started by doing you know webinars and events and some you know and you know and uh, live and recorded and maybe a class here or two and you know slowly built up a, a pretty good cadre of I mean they have six hundred industry experts who have contributed to all of their work and all of the curriculum they built. Um, and so. 
the question was, could we find a way to get into higher education? And I think your, you know, your point about inflection points, and this was, this was three years ago. Um, there were two real, there are two theories and that, that, that former boss of mine who, who suggested I come do this um, had, which was, you know, and the industry folks had, which was a, you know, we know, and it's an axiom that's been forever that people tend to, whether it's online or in person, tend to go to a university within a couple hundred miles of their of their home, right? And so regionality is really important, and especially in an industry where only specific states have um, are legal, either medically or recreationally. We wanted to find how do you how do you get into the local community and not just be some California website where you go take a class. And the other thing was that if we could get, if we could convince accredited universities to offer these programs, um, it would really also go a long way towards changing the stigma in the industry. Um, you know, it's one thing when there's, you know, and there and there were a couple examples. There's a school out in California called Oaksterdam. It's a for-profit college. It's, it's not really a college. It's just a kind of a, a place where you can get programs in cannabis. And they were like the first ones that, that did that. But it was for-profit and it was, you know, just about cannabis and it wasn't taken overly seriously. Um, but if you think about what, it, what would it look like if Syracuse or the University of Arizona or the University of California school or, you know, were offering programs that that could make a big difference. And there were some schools that were doing it. Um, Northern Michigan was the first. They, Northern Michigan University offered a, a bachelor's degree in medical plant chemistry. And that was and that was that was happening three years ago when we first started thinking about this. Um, and, you know, they couldn't even use the word cannabis when they came up with the program. And then, mm-hmm. you know, about a year later, University of Maryland started offering a master's degree in a similar discipline. So and there were a lot of schools that were maybe offering a seminar or a class, you know, about it. But that was about it. Um, and so, you know, our, our, our theory was let's let's see if we can do that. And then one of the things we started to think about was market research. What do people want if they're if they're learning? So the industry folks told us they needed people who really understood every access, you know, aspect of the business. They understood the cultivation process. They understood um, we had, you know, doctors and nurses who were saying that there's not enough people in the medical field that understand anything about how this is going to affect people. And so health care and medicine was important. And then you know, with all the regulations and rules and chain from state to state and nationally, and it's not federally legal, et cetera, you know, we, there was a, we heard that there was a great need for people to really understand kind of the law and policy side of it as well. So, um, but when we, when we started to do some market research, we knew the areas we wanted to teach, but we didn't know who the students were exactly. And we got a lot of great information saying that most of the people that wanted to get into the cannabis industry or were in a field like law or medicine where they were affected by it weren't people that were looking for a full degree. They had college experience. They had an undergraduate or they had a graduate degree. They were looking to to, to get better uh, you know, acquainted and more knowledge around it. And so um, our... Uh, our theory was let's let's talk to schools, you know, the schools in their departments of continuing and professional education, where they could offer it to people who were, you know, they're they're typically their their you know audiences, you know, working professionals that are looking for career change or upskilling. Um, they could offer this non-credit, which would then not scare the school, which was always, you know, universities are always worried about running afoul of the federal government. Um, and so that, that's, that's, and so, and then, 
But originally we thought, you know, when we when we had our folks starting to design the courses, we thought we should build them, we should overbuild them, if you will, right? Because we're not going to have any credibility and people are going to laugh at us. And so we overbuilt our courses all so that they could be, you know, master's level courses, really, you know, for credit. Um, and we thought if we built in a lot of rigor, um, we would we would be in a better position to defend ourselves if the, you know, the slings and arrows started coming from the traditional folks at the universities. Um, but then we also, uh, you know, you, you kind of you kind of hinted towards an OPM type model. Two other things we realized there, no matter how great the curriculum was and if we you know, we could host it, et cetera, no university was going to have subject matter expertise to teach or facilitate the courses. Uh, and so that was something we were going to have to help with. Um, and then marketing was going to be a problem because marketing cannabis is hard. You still can't today buy a Google ad word with the word with the word cannabis in it. Um, and there's a lot of restrictions. You can't have TikTok with the word cannabis. And so we had to figure that out. And we we realized we better do that for our schools because they would never have the bandwidth or understanding to, to, to navigate that. And so we did. And I'm sure it's because of my background kind of create a, a bit of a, an OPM model, if you will, where we handled we did the we really make it very turnkey for the universities. We do the you know the hosting of the curriculum and the and the teaching and the marketing and advertising, uh, and we even register the students so that so that schools don't have to worry about e-commerce when it comes to something related to cannabis. So um, that's that's kind of what our theory was that it would really make a difference if it was at universities for a number of reasons, and and we we figured out quickly all that we needed to do to help them be successful. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it, it just makes me think where, you know, helping that sort of ease of implementation is always important for like ed tech stuff in general. But like I said, there's just a lot of like kind of, you know, walking on eggshells of something like this for an institution where they, you know, where I want to keep a healthy distance uh, between wherever the line is. Uh, but, you know, I'll kind of break this question into two parts is like, you know, so this is kind of a growing industry nationwide uh, that, folks are wanting to like break into and everything. So like when you're working with these institutions, like what are the outcomes that you're seeing for them and being able to kind of, uh, you know, diversify their program offerings with something like this? Yeah. Well, you know, and again, so if you think about it, we, we, we actually didn't start telling schools what we were doing. We didn't start really marketing the schools until the early fall of 2019. Uh, and we went to all of the UPSIA conferences and we had lots of people come by our booth and take selfies and laugh and walk away. And, um, but so you, if you think about the fall of, of 19, it was, you know, it was it was pretty normal times for the schools of continuing education. 2020 comes around and there's a pandemic and universities are starting to look at the folks who were who had figured it out for working adults, for online. Um, and and they were also looking to these divisions of continuing and professional education to bring in revenue where they were losing it elsewhere. Um, and so your point about, you know, finding, you know, being, you know, on trend and, and, and having new programming, that was, you know, it was kind of a perfect storm for us because we had something completely new uh, and we had something that potentially could generate a lot of revenue and, and enrollments for the school. Um, when they were all starting to really panic and look for that. And so, I mean, you know, in 2019, I did have two signed contracts, both of which were taken back when the when the presidents told the board and the board told them no. 
Um, and so, um, so that was kind of a bummer, but finally in, in January of 2020, our first uh, university partner, Florida Atlantic university, um, took a chance, uh, and, uh, it kind of grew from there pretty quickly. We, you know, we had, by the end of 2020, we had 10 partners. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, it was, you know, those who could, those who could navigate the concerns and, and were willing to take a chance with us that there wasn't going to be negative press and, and really understood what we kept saying, which was, this is ad- this is not advocacy. This is education. This is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. It's the fastest growing job market in the country. Uh, and, and people need to understand it better. And when we, you know, when we, when we really could get down to the people who were worried and we showed them the curriculum and how serious it was and how rigorous it was and the expertise that we brought, um, we were able to, to start to get folks to, um, to, uh, to jump on board. Yeah. And that's great. Cause I get, it makes me think of, cause I, I just have had familiarity with this and I did a certificate program in esports and just sort of that similar like trajectory of growth and wanting folks to just kind of like know how it works. But then like in terms of like outcomes for institutions, like it just, really helps, I think, to alleviate some of the pain of like kind of the these institutions being irrelevant, you know, like for a lot of people, if it's like, oh, wow, well, like this is something I want to break into. And this is something that, you know, just really relevant to me. Like, so, you know, the institutions get that relevance, they get, you know, potentially just exposure to more students that, you know, yeah. they might have missed otherwise. And then, um, yeah, I mean, because this is like the second part of my question is like the outcomes for the students, like they can... Yeah get a credential that allows them to break in to an industry that, you know, I think sometimes otherwise it would just be like, you got to like really only just like know the right people. Like it's just at such a point where like, you know, it's not mature to a point where there's just a lot of on ramps, you know? So like this starts to, you know, get them get kind of the workforce development in the sector where it needs to be of like trained qualified people, but then just sort of makes it more accessible to a wider diversity of, of people because they can kind of have, you know, this credential in hand that's sort of, uh, yeah, absolutely. Translatable. Then three years ago, three and a half years ago, when I first started, I mean, it was the wild west in the industry when it came to how you got experience or how you got education. It's not a whole lot better today. There are still no, you know, I, the one thing we hear often from schools is, well, you know, is there a, is there some required certification for someone to work here, work there, start this? And, you know, they're really still, you know, some states are having some things, but they really still aren't. And so you also had to, you know, we also had to speak to the fact that it's the industry that told us this is what they were looking for when they hire people or when they were, you know, dealing with patients. And so, um, yeah, schools, you know, schools had to consider the fact that they were going to be out in front of something and not following. And I think that was a big thing, too. And again, we only talked to schools with one exception in states where it was at least medically legal. Uh, and um, and they really wanted to to get out in front of it. And for the students, you know, there's there's multiple outcomes, you know, obviously getting a job uh, and having a you know, if you have a you have a certificate from from Syracuse University in the business of cannabis, you should have some credibility, e- even if there's no certificate certification you know, required, if you will. Right. And so um, so that helped. And then we also we also started work, you know, working with Credly. And so we were able to offer digital uh, credentials that are co-branded with the university and the Greenflower Institute, which is our kind of training arm. And, um, and so that's helping people show what they know also. Um, but so then, yeah, people are getting jobs or a lot of people are taking these programs. So what we do know is we polled our students and 
uh, at least 80% of everyone who takes any of our programs is trying to get into the industry. Um, then there's another, you know, 10, 15% really that are in the industry and they're looking for upskilling. And then there are 5% that, you know, that this is just, you know, kind of interesting to them and they want to learn about it. They want to learn about the agriculture, the horticulture or things like that. So, um, so we had to make sure that we had, you know, we had an idea of how they could be successful. We created an employer network um, based, you know, out, you know, with companies across the country that, that are part of our network who are looking, to, who said they would be looking to hire people um, once they had these credentials. And that's, um, that's been incredible and really great for the students to have access to. And we now have a partnership with careersincannabis.com and our people who complete our programs get forced ranked into the top 5% of search results by employers. Um, so we've really tried to continue to build infrastructure to help the students be successful. Um, but the, definitely the outcome is they want to be in the business. They want to start their own business. They want to they want to get into management. You know, we've had I've seen a lot of students who were working behind the counter at a dispensary, but they wanted to be able to get into management and a better understanding of the entire you know landscape of the industry was it would help them and has. Um, and then again. As I mentioned in the on the healthcare side, we get a lot, a lot of doctors and nurses and therapists who take that program, and and hear back from them that they are much more now able to truly understand. You know, when a patient comes in and says, "Well, I went to the dispensary and I got this chocolate bar, and X Y Z happened," or, or "Is it, you think that's better than what you prescribed me?" And so, helping doctors and nurses who only got one hour on the endocannabinoid system in, in med school and in nursing school better understand it and relate to their, their patients is, is, is also a huge deal. And now we have a program in compliance and risk management because every company, whether it's small or large, needs to have someone who can help keep them compliant and understand the risks now, you know, because it's still federally illegal. So um, outcomes have been great for our students and um, and we're, we, you know, we just, we know that it's been, it's been helping them exactly where they wanted to. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear those other applications as well. Not just sort of like, you know, working in a dispensary, which is like, right. you know, for all intents and purposes, just kind of like, you know, working at a store, like, you kind of, you know, you have inventory that you're selling and that sort of thing. But like, there's obviously so many other contextual pieces of like, okay, why would a person go there? You know, like there's going to be obviously like the marketing and stuff, but like, yeah, likely they're going to get a recommendation from a medical professional or their therapist or uh, those sort of things. So like that there can be a growing availability and just different permutations of uh, content that's sort of maintained and yeah, facilitated through subject matter experts and everything. It's just, yeah, kind of taking a lot of the best practices of what we've seen in you know, uh, continuing in professional education and, you know, trying to kind of, you know, yeah, get a tiptoe around and thread the needle of, uh, you know, this uh, sort of legal legal ambiguity and sort of uh, the inconsistencies and stuff. So I, I appreciate you kind of uh, speaking to that a little bit. Uh, and, you know, certainly, you know, it, you know, recreational marijuana continues to be like ballot measures and uh, things like that. So, uh certainly I know you're just kind of growing your, your partnerships and everything, but just, you know, as you're looking ahead, like what are you looking forward to in your work in the space? I don't know if there's things that are sort of, you know, uh, coming, coming to fruition or, you know, kind of changing that you're a little bit more kind of privy to kind of being in, you know, in the thick of it. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things, you know, first of all, every year new States go legal. 
um, which is really so. So in just in November, there were there were you know ballot measures that passed to go recreationally legal in Missouri and in Maryland. Um, and so that opens up new markets, which you have to remember about the about the cannabis industry, because it's not legal federally, you cannot grow um, cannabis and then produce a product and ship it to a dispensary in another state. Uh, because the Interstate Commerce Clause exists mm-hmm. in the federal law. So whenever you see a, a new state come on, whether it's they go you know, medical for the first time or they go recreational, the job opportunities, the, the um, business opportunities are tremendous. And so, um, so we see that that's, you know, that's a big future. Part of our future is to we'll add schools in states as they become legal and, uh, and, helping, and helping them. And I think that's, a, that's definitely a big part. You know, we're, you know, and as an industry, we also know that if it could ever become federally legal, that, that we would, it would be a big boon as well. We would, you know, I think it would get rid of a lot more of the stigma. And there are two sides to that. There's really kind of the, 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 the banking laws, which are really difficult right now. You know, you, if you're in the industry, you cannot put money you make in a, in a cannabis business in a federally insured bank. Um, and that the same thing with with interstate commerce and things like that. And so states are taxing and making hundreds of millions of dollars and people are paying taxes, but the federal government doesn't have anything and won't have anything to do with it. And so we you know, we keep a very close pulse on what's happening there. Um, the descheduling of, of marijuana itself um, is probably the one thing that's the most difficult because I think, you know, there's. You know, there's still people that think it's a gateway drug or things like that. Um, so we, you know, we keep a very close eye on that. We're hopeful that there'll be a, a banking bill and then we have seen some movement federally on that. Um, so so on the legislative side, that's really important for us to to kind of keep an eye out of what what's happening and what we look forward to as we move forward. Um, and then, um, you know, we're adding different um, different programs as well. Just last year, in addition to the four programs we offered with um, university partners, we got feedback from industry leaders that they were the one of their biggest problems was still getting people on the front line to know what they're doing when they walk in the door, and they were seeing turnover upwards of forty percent. And what could we do to help with that? And and so we created three additional programs, shorter programs, um, to help you train to you know kind of you know above entry level, but frontline working in a in a in a manufacturing setting, in a dispensary, and in a in a grow operation. And, you know, because, you know, we heard from them, they were getting too many people who would walk in the door at the dispensary and say, hey, you know, I work at the Gap and I love to smoke weed, so I'm sure I'll be great here. Uh, and, you know, and, and they fail miserably because it, it's really, they're failing their, you know, I mean, in a dispensary today, even a recreational dispensary, over half the people that walk in are over the age of 50 and they're not looking to get high. They're looking to solve for a problem. They don't sleep well and they have chronic pain or inflammation or they're dealing with cancer treatment. You name it. And having knowledgeable people behind the behind the counter is really important. And, you know, in the manufacturing setting, no one really says that they you know worked at a place where they were extracting you know, cannabis and infusing it into products and making products. So they need a training in that. And even on the on the cultivation side, you might have the best tomato plants in the world, but 
um, is very different when you're when you're when you're cultivating for commercial purposes. So we we saw that need, and we actually partnered with community colleges in their workforce development departments to offer those programs. We've been doing that for a year, and now we have 15 community colleges offering those programs. And so we see growth in in, in that area as well as you know, and 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 you know, we're talking about building a culinary program. People want to know how to infuse and make. You know, I talked to some prospective student a couple of weeks ago who wanted to start a food truck in New York and you know, wondered if we had that kind of thing. And so, you know, we see expansion based on, on content and programming on adding, you know, new schools and new states and, um, and, and really kind of making sure that we are, we continue to be the accepted experts in, in the industry when it comes to education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it is an interesting point how like, you know, and this, I guess is the case part for other things like, that are sort of like you have to get like a state license to do this that or the other like yeah. where like each st- state needs to have kind of its own self-sufficient you know sort of industry and stuff like it, it's yeah i guess something i didn't really like think about fully of just sort of the like you know uh yeah major influx as like you know each state spins up their own kind of ecosystem and everything because like you know it's the same thing where if it's like oh you know each state needs to have like you know a pool of licensed teachers to pull from mm-hmm. or whatever you know like it's I guess right. kind of you know mirroring that sort of thing um but uh yeah so i think yeah just interesting and exciting times ahead because it is one of those things where like what seems more possible is like you said like a banking regulation yeah that like changes where it's like that is definitely not the most like sexy thing but it's like a really important just sort of like yeah. point of maturity and sort of acceptance that would likely change before just sort of like okay like you know the you know descheduling of uh marijuana whatever but um but yeah i i I foresee probably that that you know banking stuff will change in the next few years just because like you know seeing seeing stuff change where it's like okay finally like respect for marriage act and all that you know it's like kind of late but better late than ever so and uh, we are and we are seeing by the way you know i talked about it still being the wild west we are seeing some states that are now looking to create some sort of requirement for in training um and so we've had we have a you know, a, a two two certifications that we have also that kind of come with those community college programs, a, a cannabis handler certificate. And that certificate, you know, is something that, that we created, but it has now been, we just got it accredited from ANSI, uh, ANSI, the standards, the U.S., you know, in International Standards Board, um, which is the first time any cannabis cur- curriculum has ever been um, accredited by ANSI, which is great. And so some states that are saying, if you're going to be working in a manufacturing setting or a grow operation, you need to have a um, some kind of, a, you know, handlers training. So we have, we created the, the um, cannabis, cannabis handlers training. And then the responsible vendor training is something you see in states um, for anyone on the retail side. Um, and so we created a specific to the cannabis industry responsible vendor training certificate. And that comes with that, that program to when you learn to work in a dispensary. So um, we, we are hoping that those types of things will help move forward the conversation. And the fact that these are, you know, U.S. institutions offering these programs, you know, we, we hope that that will move the conversation towards some sort of standardization in the industry at some point. Yeah, that's great. I mean, because I'm sure it's probably like an interesting thing for you or like wondering if like, since you have built it, then they are now like coming to it of less like, oh, well, I guess we could have like a standard, you know, credential for people work like, you know, so it's like always like interesting things like that, where I mean, obviously, you're kind of like helping, you know, to kind of blaze the trail here. And yeah, now at this point where, 
Cause like, it made me think where it's like, yeah, you gotta take like an exam to be like a bartender, you know, like, right, right. So it's like, there should be something, even just a modest, you know, sort of just like, okay, here's just the bare minimum that everybody should know when they're doing this kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's like food safety. Like this is like a yeah. thing that people are putting in their body, you know, like, um, yeah. so that's great that people are recognizing that. Yeah. And all of those programs, you know, kind of have like those health and safety, like almost like food safety regulations mm-hmm. that they learn about too. So yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And although I will tell you when it comes to bartender, um, we have another division of our company that we started about a year and a half ago, um, kind of a sommelier certification for cannabis. It's called Ganjie, uh, and it has taken off like like wildfire. And people, it's like it's a it's a program where you have to go in person a couple times, and but it's really rigorous. It was just covered on the Today Show a couple months ago, and so um, this idea that some point, you know, you know. Um, I know Nevada has just made, you know, cannabis lounges legal, but, you know, whether you're working in a grow operation or in a retail area where people are, you know, actually partaking um, this, this new kind of ganjie certification is becoming very, very uh, well-respected and popular already. Yeah. Well, and I um, worked for a few months this year, just as kind of just like a life goal kind of thing. Like I love craft beer. So I get to work as a uh, server at a, tap room and they were sort of like encouraging folks to do sort of the same thing of like uh it was like cicerone uh beer server training so like there's like multiple levels like it got to that point where like you could get like you know the third level up of like going in person and doing stuff but the very basic was just like if you're a beer server you know you take this exam you get to be a lot more knowledgeable about like you know flavor profiles and that sort of thing so it's yeah yeah, it's funny that there's uh which again makes sense that there's the parallel and the uh marijuana industry and everything um but because uh, yeah i mean it's all these things like you know just sort of points of maturity and just sort of like get all these sort of like accessible on ramps and just to sort of you know different ways that people can work in the space and uh be you know uh yeah just really well informed and you know creating uh great experiences for people because like you said like a lot of people nowadays coming like you know wanting to solve a problem so it's like okay well I, I should be knowledgeable and not just be kind of like you know kind of i don't know spitballing you know i'm just gonna be like ah, i don't know try this like go for yeah. it it's like I, this i can guarantee should help you and if like we need to like you know tinker with the dosage or so you know like whatever but, um yeah so that that's that's great yeah. um well, and, you know, we always like to, as we're winding down, kind of share uh, resources. So, I mean, you've obviously spoken a lot about what uh, uh, Greenflower, you know, your organization offers. So we'll definitely link out to those different uh, kind of aspects, uh, aspects of what you do. But any other things that you'd want to give kind of a tip of the hat to that we could include, include in the show notes? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you one of the one of the challenges in the industry. And whenever we talk to a university, they're like, you know, well, what are you know, how many job openings are there in the industry, and what's the what are the you know, they're used to looking at Department of Labor and Statistics and getting data, right? Well, the Department of Labor and Statistics won't cover the cannabis industry because it's federal and it's not legal, and so. Um, a great organization um, was started a number of years ago called, called Leafly, L-E-A-F-L-Y, um, and they really are the folks that are monitoring the job industry and what, what it looks like, a number of jobs, and, and they do an annual report every year that comes out in March that, that really 
that gives people great data on uh, everything from job opportunities to to turnover to uh, salaries and pay scale. And so they do a really great job. And I always suggest that people, if they really want to dive deep into what does this industry look like, I can sit here all day and tell you it's the fastest growing job market, but there's really great data. And But uh, Leafly is the organization that I, that I always um, think does uh, the best job of that. And I, I recommend it. And then, you know, there are a number of kind of, you know, organizations that are out there and keeping track on legislation and on what's happening in, in, in new companies and, you know, what's happening in investments. And I think one of the best ones is called Marijuana Moment, um, which is which is literally, you know, marijuana moment.net. And um, and they have a they have a daily um, uh, you know, newsletter that comes out, but they do an incredible job of keeping up on what's happening in the legislation in every single state, um, in, the, in legal states and states that are thinking about it on the federal side. Uh, they do they do a really, really great job in, in keeping you informed of what's happening. And, uh, and so I, I'm always a, a big fan of, of that. And I think it's a great place to get information. Obviously, you know, our website, uh, greenfloweredu.com is where you can learn about all of our schools and all of our programs. Um, but yeah, externally, you know, I think Leafly and, and Marijuana Woman do the best jobs of of really um, getting you good information, incredible information um, when you're when you're looking to to learn more and more. Perfect. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and then we will uh, wrap up as we always do. Uh, if you want to share a final thought or call to action that you have on this topic uh, to kind of finish everything off. Uh, yeah, just go ahead. The floor is yours. Well, thanks. Well, you know, first of all, thank you. You know, I, you know, we we get a lot of recognition in the cannabis industry for what we do, and we're really, you know, well respected and noted, and it's great. And in higher education, it's still, you know, while we work currently with nineteen universities and fifteen community colleges, um, it's not always, you know, in higher ed that we that people that are in the higher ed industry themselves really hear about us. And um, so it's really we appreciate the fact that we can kind of get our story out. It's, it's, you know, I will tell you in the, in the coming year, our biggest competition will not be another company like ours. It's universities that are starting to create their own programs, which, which I think is great. You know, if, you know, we're, we're, we fill a need where you don't have such subject matter expertise or people who can teach, but, you know, for those who want to build that out, that just continues to, to add to the credibility um, and the need for, for, you know, good, quality, rigorous education in cannabis. And speaking of which, you know, one other, one other um, um, resource I might point out is Upsia has done two white papers on the need for higher education in cannabis. And I think you can get it on the Upsia site. Um, Jim Fong did an incredible job. And so, you know, getting, we're, we're just excited to continue to get the word out in, within higher ed circles that, that this can be meaningful and helpful and that we're happy to be the, the folks to help. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, the only thing I would say is that, you know, we, all of our schools have six starts a, a year. Um, and, uh, cause, because they're, they're six month programs, but they're, they're made of three, eight week courses, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're asynchronous. And, and so all of our schools will be offering a, a new start on January 9th. And then, you know, six, uh, you know, eight weeks after that, eight weeks after that. And so if you want more information about the program specifically, and you can, you know, see all the schools that offer the, the programs, you can go to that greenfloweredu.com and you can, you can learn about all of the programs and all the schools and, um, and uh, you can send in questions or set a time to talk to someone, uh, you know, we're, we're there to help folks. But, um, you know, every school with whom we work is doing really, really well. 
uh, and really filling a need in the industry and in the in their in their communities. And uh, we've just you know we've had you know nearly three thousand students go through these programs, and you know we we didn't launch our first one until July of. 2020. So it's been, it's been fantastic and, and things are only growing and we've got more schools coming. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, that's a great place to go. Awesome. Yeah. And just yeah, kind of follow your continued milestones and accomplishments and exploits and everything. And yeah, I imagine the, the future is looking bright and um, it is really cool just to see that uh, like you're saying there's like the kind of sommelier uh, offering is something that's been yeah. really uh, resonating as well, which I think that's, that's super cool. So uh, well, yeah, I mean, thank you for, for jumping on and sharing all that you did. Just really appreciate your time and the work that you're doing to kind of, you know, normalize and sort of, uh, you know, just bring kind of the, the best of sort of the, the tech and OPM worlds and stuff uh, to this to this space and everything. And um, of course, we'll have ways to connect with you and Greenflower and everything that you mentioned uh, in the show notes uh, as usual. So, uh, yeah, just thanks again for your time and for, for hanging out for the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.